You're listening to WJMSRadio.com, where radio is reimagined. The Fired Up Show starts right now. Welcome. Welcome. It's Monday. That means it is time for Fired Up right here on WJMSRadio.com, where radio is reimagined. This is Steve. I host the show each week, and as always, we're about to get into what the mechanics of our political system here in the United States looks like. But first, as always, let's start with our roundup of where we are with the coronavirus. Uh, We are currently sitting at around 33 million uh, cases, and about 594,000 people have died from the disease, and uh, more than 288 million vaccinations have been administered. In fact, uh, as we're going to see in the first story we're going to talk about, uh, that is something of a milestone that the Biden administration has been taking uh, sort of a victory lap on. And uh, we'll get, let's get right into that, shall we? So uh, on Tuesday, uh, reports came out from the CDC that half of the U.S. adults are fully vaccinated against COVID-19. Uh, and the article, which was uh, circulated by ABC News, came out and talks about uh, the U.S. passing a major milestone Tuesday when it was reported by the CDC that uh, half of the American population, or more than 129 million people over the age of 18, are now fully vaccinated against the virus, and about 164 million people have at least one vaccine dose. So, you know, this is as a result of the move by the administration to open up vaccinations early in April and uh, reflects also the positive look that we're going to see as more and more young people get vaccinated as the guidance is coming down from the CDC to allow vaccines in uh, children as young as 12. And uh, they are studying the possibilities of Uh, expanding the children vaccination levels down to uh, close to two years old. Uh, So, you know, we have made tremendous strides uh, in in the year and a half or 20 months of the uh, pandemic that we've suffered through. And, you know, it looks like there is a faint light, uh, you know, coming up through the, the darkness of the tunnel we've been going through. Uh, we still have a ways to go, though. Let's not get it twisted. Let's not get overexcited. Uh, we still have a lot of people in this country who have not gotten vaccinated or you know, are hesitant or even are refusing to get vaccinated. Um, but right now, we sit at about 39% of the country's entire population fully vaccinated against the virus. So, you know, as we, we look at the report that came out from the CDC, They broke it down uh, among some of the states, and uh, the article talks about how vaccination rates vary uh, among several states. Uh, There are nine states, New Mexico, Vermont, Hawaii, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Maine, New Jersey, and Rhode Island that had 70% of their adult population with at least one dose as of last Sunday, Uh, and that's according to data released by the CDC. And at least 25 states and Washington, D.C. have now fully vaccinated at least half of their adult population with at least one COVID-19 vaccine dose. Uh, These states, in addition to the ones I just mentioned, include Alaska, California, Maryland, New York, Vermont, and Wisconsin. 
you know, and, you know, as a result of the increase in vaccination, uh, COVID-19 cases have been declining on a steady basis over the past few months, as well as uh, the death rate from the disease has also dropped. Uh, between April 1st and May 22nd, the seven-day average of newly reported cases dropped from 65,697 to 25,843, and the seven-day average of newly reported deaths declined from 861 to 556, uh, this too coming out of the CDC. Now, you know, it, it's all not uh, a rosy picture, though. Uh, many states uh, are reporting and seeing a decline in vaccine demand. Uh, the CDC data shows that the seven-day average of new vaccine administrations was 3 million on April 1st, rose to a peak on, of 3.3 million uh, on April 11th, uh, but has declined to 1.8 million as of May 22nd. So, and again, that's the seven-day average number of people who are being vaccinated. Um, and it should be noted that, as, as I said earlier, vaccines are now open to all adults in uh, the United States and uh, all young people down to the age of 12. And if someone is looking, if you're looking to find out where you can get an, a vaccine appointment near you, you can log on to vaccines.gov. That's V-A-C-C-I-N-E-S dot G-O-V for more information. So, you know, we, we, we've done tremendous work um, developing, getting, rolling out, getting injection sites located, you know, getting people vaccinated, uh, working to overcome the hesitancy that we've seen. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's still, as I said, a ways to go and something that we need to continue to work on. We need to continue, in addition to being vaccinated, we need to continue to, uh, to follow the CDC guidelines for those people who aren't vaccinated in terms of social distancing, mask wearing, uh, hand washing, and so forth. Um, you know, and I, I can tell you that as someone who is now fully vaccinated, I still, uh, when I'm out and about in public, I still wear my mask. Uh, it is still a requirement where I work that masks be worn, you know, anytime you're, you're on the plant floor and, you know, are in proximity to other people. Uh, you know, we, we, we can't tell. There's no uh, wristband that you get. There's no bracelet. There's no uh, letter you sew onto your jacket that says you've been vaccinated. Uh, this has been truly uh, completed under the honor system. And we need to be aware that, you know, there are some people who have not been vaccinated, who will not wear masks and, you know, shouldn't be fooled into a false sense of security, thinking that just because someone's not wearing a mask, that they're fully vaccinated. So, you know, it just again, let, let's stay on our game. Let's keep doing what we're supposed to do, what we need to do to keep ourselves, our families, our loved ones, our communities and our countries safe. So, as we move from that good news, uh, let me bring to you an article that came across my news feeds. And at first, I didn't really think it was for real uh, until I went and verified it with some of the, the data sites that it was reporting on and, and corroborated the information that's being shown. And the article comes out of the Daily Cause. Uh, 
the reporter's name is Hunter, and it, it starts off, you know, in news that still surprises approximately nobody, the newest vaccination data confirms that the race to immunize Americans against a pandemic virus that's killed nearly 600,000 people in this country has been thoroughly partisanized. Democratic-leaning communities are getting vaccinated. Republican communities aren't. Analyzing the newest data, CNN reports that 21 of the top 25 most vaccinated states were won by Joe Biden in the 2020 election, and 21 of the least vaccinated states voted for Trump, including all but one of the bottom 17. The correlation between vaccination rates and the 2020 election outcome by state has only strengthened by time, and this was reported by CNN analyst Harry Enton. It's almost certainly, uh, sorry, that's almost certainly because vaccine supply is no longer so constrained, turning personal motivation into the new driving factor for who's getting the vaccine and who isn't. We already know who won't be getting the vaccine because they're very vocal about it. Trump supporters, Fox News watchers, diehard Republicans who believe, despite all available evidence and quite probably themselves, knowing someone who died, that the world pandemic is a hoax perpetrated by science, or scientists or globalists or other supposed elites working behind the scenes. Now, the article does go on uh, to get into some uh, pretty heavy uh, Trump bashing and, you know, Republican slash right wing bashing, um, which was one of the reasons why at first I wasn't going to to bring this forward until I dug in and, and again, did my did my research into where they were getting their statistics from and found out that the statistics uh, at least were true. Uh, yeah, but uh, the the article does take a very dim perspective uh, on the former president, you know, and uh, his conservative uh, followers, you know, Fox News and other um, news outlets that have been broadcasting, you know, the claims about the pandemic being a hoax, being phony, that it was a made up construct and so forth. Um, but, you know, it, it does come back around and continue talking about uh, that this is a, a public health crisis in the making that has been thoroughly partisanized. Non-Republicans have access to real-world information about the pandemic's risks, what safety precautions can be taken, how many have died, and who is most in danger. Republicans now believe that the pandemic is a conspiracy by a series of M- enemies demonized by Tucker Carlson and other propagandists and that submitting to the safety precautions is an attack on their own value. So, you know, this is just uh, a repeat of what we've heard over the past year that, you know, mask wearing is an infringement on rights, um, that the vaccine is tainted with all kinds of mysterious boogeyman type stuff. Um, you know, that Bill Gates is using the vaccines as a way to inject nanobots into into all of us and so on and so forth. But the real hard statistics at the core of this um, are, are, you know, not disputable. That of the states that, you know, Donald Trump won, 21 of the the least vaccinated states supported Donald Trump. 
and you know 25 of the most vaccinated states supported Joe Biden. Now, you can make that you know what you will of it, but the the real fact is, and something we're going to talk about a little bit here, is you know when when we're looking at the truth of you know 33 plus almost 34 million people who have been infected with this virus uh, and you know just under 600,000 Americans have died from this virus um, those those aren't made up those aren't aren't fallacies those aren't falsehoods those are real people who've gotten sick those are real people who have died those are real families who have suffered and it raises the question and I've I've brought this forward, you know, on this show a few times. Um, how do you debate with someone who can see the truth or see the facts? Let me rephrase: can see the facts right in front of them, and you know, deny that they are looking at a, a factual record. Um, you know, everybody pretty much in this country probably knows someone who has been impacted by uh, COVID-19 or regrettably may have died from the disease. We are now at, you know, basically one in 10 people in this country have been infected. Uh, that means that the, the high likelihood that, you know, you know and I know uh, people who have have uh, been infected with COVID-19 uh, is a real thing. I mean, I, I can I can attest to, you know, friends and family members. Um, my my own son was uh, tested positive for COVID-19 not too long ago. So I mean, when I see those real cases in front of me, in front of my eyes, the the ability to deny that this is a serious pandemic, that it is, you know, a, the ability to consider it a made-up construct, a political hoax, a, an election uh, um, trick, you know, just, just boggles the mind. You know, it is you know, another example of when you are in, faced with the option of getting into a debate, discussion, or argument, with a a conspiracy theorist, uh, it, it is almost it, it is a never win situation. Whatever answer you come back to reply to an allegation they are making, they merely group that up with the rest of the conspiracy and say that's just part of the conspiracy theory. That's part of what they quote want you to believe. Close quote. So you know I I don't know and, and you know. As I said, I sort of took this article with a grain of salt, but the more I read it and the more I thought about it, um, I, it it's something to, to keep an eye on. Um, I, I am curious that we get data that shows the, the political leanings of you know, COVID patients and survivors and those that have died from the disease and those that have been vaccinated because I do, I do think it gives us a valuable insight into the mind of uh, people who are, you know, fact deniers. Um, and and I, I don't say truth deniers because truth is uh, extremely subjective. 
one person or, or two people can look at something and one person will believe it is the truth another person will not believe it is the truth while they're looking at the exact same thing so you know truth is subjective facts uh, are not so you know the the people who deny the facts of 30 33 34 million cases of covid uh, that deny the facts of you know nearly 600,000 people that have died from this disease uh, irregardless of the the arguments we've had you know over the the weeks and months and, and year year plus now on you know whether these people you know could the, their deaths could have been avoided or the number of cases could have been reduced you know and, and so forth you know based on you know the response of the government at the outset of the pandemic uh, setting that aspect of it aside the fact that you know there are are folks out there who can see this this uh, you know pandemic who can see the death who can see the illness and you know not accept that there is something happening here deny it uh, debate that it isn't real um, you know, again, just boggles the mind. This, this just seems like something out of a science fiction movie. Um, if, if this plays out and, and follows this path, uh, do we really see the, the, the future of having a country where the, the Democrats or left-leaning people who, you know, supported and got vaccinated, um, you know, are are the survivors and those who were denying the vaccine science, who were denying the pandemic, uh, are, are becoming an endangered species? I mean, where does this go? It will be interesting. It will, no, it'll be fascinating to see if uh, more detailed and, and uh, stringent scientific study is done uh, and data analysis is done to see if, if this premise actually holds up if in fact the number of people who are are getting sick with uh, the coronavirus disease and who are dying from the coronavirus disease continue to be overwhelmingly uh, Republican right-leaning you know followers of Donald Trump whatever you, however you want to categorize them in that in that direction um, that that would be you know, on the one hand, truly fascinating, but on the other hand, a, a very sad statement about the the nature of politics and political division in this country. Um, you know, it it as I said, it's it really kind of makes you spin your wheels, and and ask how how can you not believe that this is real? And you know, to be honest, I've had conversations with people. Uh, with with acquaintances, with you know people that I know who uh, are ardent anti-vaxxers are not going to get uh, the vaccine, who believe that it is it is doctored by some kind of evil voodoo science uh, that that they're they're so very afraid of. Um, and as I said, if you've ever tried to debate a conspiracy theorist. Um, it, it is generally uh, a pretty much pointless endeavor. Um, you know, they 
they if they are so died hard in their beliefs you will not convince them otherwise because basically they will just spin it into their conspiracy and say that well what you're telling me is just all part of the 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 media message it's all part of the brain you know disease that's being broadcast it's all coming from 5g you know and and all of this stuff um and you know really it, it is an exercise in futility to try and engage uh in one of those although point of personal privilege i do kind of enjoy the battle it, it is interesting in in a warped sort of way to try and, and argue with someone who really believes that and just to see how far they'll go but in in terms of having any real effect or impact uh it's pretty pointless so you know it it is interesting that what the article poses um you know and 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 really it, it kind of raises the question if the is the pandemic going to sort of vector over and target the the right wing um you know and and are talking you know pandemic outbreaks uh, do not confine themselves according to ideological lines. There are other reasons why individual Americans might not be able to get vaccinated, and this is true. There is no vaccine that can provide complete pandemic protection. It can't be done. Those that are allergic to vaccine components, uh, the immunocompromised, the very young, all these groups will continue to be exposed to the virus through the actions of you know, the the right-wing boosting infectors. So all of these people who are not able to get vaccinated uh, for, for whatever reason, aside from a, an exercise of pure choice, um, are, are at risk from being infected by those who choose not to uh, take the vaccine for any of the reasons I've mentioned above. Um, so this, this is going to be um, you know, a very interesting thing to to keep sort of an eye on. And I'm going to keep tabs on this and see what comes of it. Uh, and, and only because, you know, we, we've spent the last year talking about the political impacts of uh, the coronavirus and the pandemic and, and all of this. And this is kind of a new layer to it that I, I think uh, is intriguing and something very much worth uh, paying attention to. So we'll, we'll keep tabs, we'll keep an eye out, and when more news along these lines comes up, we'll, we'll bring it to you. Uh, I'd be really interesting and curious to find out what you think of the prospect of a, uh, I'll call it a Republican disease, but you know, a, a disease of the, the right wing, the deniers of science and so forth, um, you know, send an email to the show at firedupradio at yahoo.com. Let me know what you think, uh, particularly if you're uh, among the group that doesn't believe in the vaccine. I really, really want to get your perspective. Uh, you know, tell me, you know, am, am I delusional? Am I wrong? Uh, you know, tell me what you think. Give me, give me clear uh, clear points uh, in defense of why you don't want to get vaccinated. 
um, and and let's have a discussion about it. So, uh, you know, as I said, that's that's why you know it's what we do here on Fired Up. We bring out the issues, we we talk about them. You know, I present them to you, and you know, look to engage in you know a, a deep debate about these issues of the day. Uh, that, that are beyond all of the hyperpartisan stuff we see in a lot of other news outlets. Uh, I look for the stories that, you know, pretty much no one is talking about, uh, but that have big impact on all of our daily lives. So let's, uh, let's take our break here. You're listening to Fired Up right here on WJMSRadio.com, where radio is reimagined. And now you understand what we mean by reimagined. And uh, we'll be right back after this break. Stay tuned. Hi, everybody. It's Barack. Now that every American over the age of 16 is eligible to get the vaccine, I want to talk about you getting yours. The vaccine is safe. It's effective. It's free. I got one. Michelle got one. People you know got one. And now you can get one, too. It's the only way we're going to get back to all the things we love, from safely spending time with grandparents to going to concerts and watching live sports. So get the vaccine as soon as you can. And welcome back to Fired Up right here on WJMSRadio.com, where radio is reimagined. And we're going to pick up a little bit of the thread we talked about in the first segment. I want to dive into what has become and if you're a regular listener to this show uh, we've we've talked about these issues you know more times than I can count and you know full disclaimer uh, it may seem like I am you know anti-republican or anti-right you know political spectrum and so forth let me let me tell you, I genuinely try not to be. I genuinely try to present an, an equal balance of information um, on both parties. Uh, however, you know, the truth is the Republicans have, have been the ones creating the majority of the controversy. So, you know, they're getting the majority of the attention. Uh, and that's that's not going to stop here as we, we get into what I want to what I want to go through in this segment. Um We've talked about the uh, revisions to voter registration laws in Georgia and in Florida. And then I think last week or a week before last, we talked about Mississippi. Um, And, you know, it it, it goes on and on. There are just, you know, hundreds of bills around the country that are uh, fundamentally changing the voting process in those states. Uh, and truthfully, they're they're being led by you know Republican-controlled legislatures. So you know the the latest ones that I want to talk about, um, and you know this <laughs> this is an article that uh, came across my newsfeed, and it talks about uh, Republicans have turned to a new weapon in their broader strategy. To lock in their political power for generations. Uh, and it, it starts off with GOP lawmakers in Florida, Idaho, South Dakota, and other states have passed laws limiting the use of ballot initiatives, which have allowed voters to bypass state legislatures to enact laws that have allowed Democrats in conservative states to advance their agendas. And this report comes out of the New York Times. 
Um, you know, and it goes on, you know, talking about how they have implemented web after web of technicalities and hurdles that make it really hard for community-based groups to qualify for the ballot and counter why ballot initiatives were created in the first place. And this is according to uh, Chris Melody Thiel's Figueredo, Executive Director of the Ballot Initiative Strategy Center. This is directly connected to every attack we've seen in our democracy. Uh, so Republicans have so far this year introduced 144 bills to restrict the ballot initiative processes in 32 states, 19 of which have already been signed into law by GOP governors. GOP legislators in three states have asked voters to approve ballot initiatives that would limit their own right to do the same thing in future elections. Let's dissect that for a second. They are asking, in fact, they have, signed they have signed legislation or they are proposing legislation that would restrict their own party's voters, constituents, to file ballot initiatives in the future. So, you know, I, I, they are willing to throw out the, the opportunity for the people in their states or in their districts to propose and debate and and vote on and pass or or fail legislation that would improve everybody particularly since it's you know being brought by republican voters uh, obviously it it would most impact and improve the situation for republicans in that district or in that state gop legislators are throwing that out all right, so they have, you know, um, they have just decided that, you know, they're, they're going to scorch all of the earth, including the earth that they control uh, in, in an effort to restrict access to the ballot box by certain groups in, in their state. And the article uh, concludes with, you know, the statement, GOP sponsors haven't been shy about explaining why they're introducing new measures aimed at making it harder to get initiatives on the ballot or harder to pass if they make it before voters. Uh, and this, quoting uh, State Senator Ray Rodriguez, uh, I don't quote, I don't dispute that it will be more difficult to put a referendum on the ballot under the statute, but that's the point. And, you know, again, this is a quote from State Senator Ray Rodriguez, and he's a Republican who sponsored a bill aimed at ballot initiatives. You know, and it's this 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 war that's going on between Republicans and Democrats with, you know, the the voters, you know, clearly the the civilians caught in the middle um, really just, you know, indicates and, and accentuates just how divided and just how partisan our political system has become in this country. Um, but, you know, let, let's, not, um, let's not be too quick to, you know, throw Republicans under the bus exclusively, we'll get to in a second. Um, you know, in, in Texans, Texas, um, Texans are opposing a 
uh, new voting legislation, which has been compared to Jim Crow laws that enforce segregation. And, you know, this came out um, uh, last Sunday, the 23rd, uh, and it quotes um, Senator Byron Hughes, I'm sorry, Senator Brian Hughes, said that turnout improved after voter IDs were introduced. You know, they're, they're taking the stand that if you can't win in a straight vote contest, suppress the vote. Uh, seems to be a working strategy for Republican uh, state legislators and, and districts uh, in the country. You know, and, you know, it, it's, it, as, as some people are citing, it's just a, a different version of what was happening, you know, in, in the, the 40s and 50s and, and 60s. Um, the Texas law, as it, the article goes on, the Texas law is the latest Republican legislature after November's election saw Democrats take control of the White House and the U.S. Senate. Uh, he, Brian, Senator Hughes uh, goes on to say, I've heard the argument and there's a big national debate going on and I realize that it's happening here in Texas. Uh, this is not about the outcome of the election. He goes on, quote, we like how things went in 2020. President Trump won Texas and I was reelected with 75 percent of the vote. No matter who wins or who loses, we want the system to work. And if it's as secure and as accessible as we can make it, that's what we're going to do. All right. So let's stop right there. So they want the system to work. The the broad overwhelming consensus uh, of analysis of the 2020 election was that it was the the fairest most secure and most heavily um, utilized election in american history um, the allegations of voter fraud that were you know put forward uh, by the the trump campaign and by Republican campaigns across the country proved no substantial or significant voter fraud that would have overturned the outcome of the election uh, could be found. Now, as I've said time and time again, uh, the, the system is not 150% perfect. There are uh, areas where votes were fraudulently cast. There are areas where there were problems with how votes were counted. Uh, those were identified, and even in, this, in the case of the state of Pennsylvania, a lawsuit was brought successfully uh, to, to address an impropriety in the vote counting process here in, in the Commonwealth, and you know that change was put into place. Uh, the arguments have been, been shot down that you know the election in 2020 was unfair was rigged or whatever there has been no broad deep wide proof brought forward to support that position and as i said in the first segment you know you you have to look at the facts not not the not the opinions not the, the, the points of talking from, you know, the talking heads in the media. You have to look at what do the facts say. And the, the investigations, which for the most part, in fact, I think, I think 
all of them, or almost all of them, were conducted by Republican administrations, and they found no evidence of any significant or substantial voter fraud or impropriety in the elections. Um, you know, it's it's just uh, again, as I was saying in the first segment, you know, about arguing with cons conspiracy theorists. It is just this circular loop that you get into that goes on and on and on. So that no matter how many times you come back and say there was no proof given that there was voter fraud, the argument comes back saying, well, that's part of the conspiracy. The conspiracy is they're going to lie about the results of the the investigations. Well, if the the Democrats were were running the investigations, which they weren't, then yes, you might have a case to make that there was a political or a party uh, or a partisan skew to the outcomes. But these were Republican-led investigations, the most visible of which happened in Florida, in plain view of the public, where the, the Republican governor, the Republican secretary of state, and the Republican in charge of the Florida elections all said on the public record and testified as much that there was no voter fraud in the Florida elections, that it was safe and secure. So, you know, it, it goes back to what I was saying. How do you how do you convince someone so locked into, you know, a a theory that they can't see, acknowledge or accept a fact uh, and and in so doing change their opinion? Short answer is it's not likely that you're going to. Um, but, you know, in, in, in getting back into the article, you know, it, it is part and parcel of, you know, these types of uh, changes where we open up access, where we broaden the electorate, where we have more people coming to vote. Uh, going back to uh, tech, a, an entrepreneur in Texas by the name of Brett Hurt. Uh, and he's the co-founder of Data.World, uh, and it's one of the most outspoken over what he describes as oppressive voter restrictions. And he's quoted as saying, show me a time in U.S. history where democracy has been increased, whether it's by giving women the right to vote or giving people of color the right to vote, where that has led us to a bad place. In every case, it's led to more prosperity, it's led to more business, and it's led to a better society overall. And that is a key point to, to make and, and to absorb. You know, when, when the, the rights of a, a disenfranchised group are uh, expanded and strengthened, it strengthens everybody's rights. When, you know, women got the right to vote, it strengthened everybody's right to vote because it's that time to re-examine how we do certain things and make improvements that benefit the broader society overall. So, you know, it, it, is, it is just, you know, uh, again, something that I struggle to, to grasp and struggle to to look at from an honest fact-based perspective 
that, you know, how can you not see that Im improving and expanding the electorate, whether it's through the inclusion of groups that were once excluded or expansion of access to fair and impartial and safe and secure elections, how is that a bad thing? You know, at the end of the day, you know, really, uh, it, it's, it's, if you want to win elections, the number one way you, you win elections is by convincing an overwhelming majority of the electorate that to agree with you, to vote for you. And if your arguments and your, your platforms and your discussions and all of that can't get that done, then you need to rethink those arguments, those discussions and those platforms and talk to your constituents, talk to the people, find out what it is they really want and enact legislation to make that happen. That's how you win elections, by, by proof of the pudding, by making sure that you, know, you, you promise what you can deliver and deliver what you've promised. You know, and uh, hopefully as we go forward, uh, maybe we'll start to see more change like this seep into the fabric of our country. I had a comment from a friend of mine, and we were talking about this this very subject, you know, a few weeks ago over lunch, and you know, he made a very interesting point that I think I've made also on this show, but I'm not sure. Um, he, you know, he is very pragmatic, and he said it's simply this: if you disagree with the current administration's policies, and at the time we were talking about, um, you know. Uh, COVID relief and, you know, the stimulus payments and things like that. He said, then show your displeasure, send the money back and let's, let's do some data mining. Let's do some digging and find out how many people who, you know, disapprove of, you know, the current administration or who disapproved of the prior administration put their money where their mouth is by writing a check back to the Federal Reserve Bank for the, the 1400 or the 600 or the 1400 that they received. Um, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure that would be a very large number. I'm pretty sure, you know, and come at me if you think I'm wrong. Send an email to the show, as I always say, fireduprradio at yahoo.com. Uh, come at me if you think I'm wrong, but I would bet uh, money in my pocket that the overwhelming majority of those people who, you know, staged that demonstration, that insurrection, that riot, that breach of the, the Capitol building on January 6th, I'm pretty sure they all cashed that check. I don't think, you know, any of them said, I don't believe in this system, so I'm sending the money back. I'm sorry, I just don't. Maybe I'm cynical. Come at me. Let's have a discussion about it. Um, now, Moving to a different segment, as I said at the, at the outset of this segment, although it seems like I'm consistently going after Republicans, they're not the only ones that are playing these kinds of games. Democrats are doing it too. Democrats are playing this, this vindictive uh, revenge game uh, the same as Republicans are. It's just Republicans are doing more of it than Democrats are. But... The article came across 
my uh, my news feeds. Uh, and this one came from Business Insider. It was dated uh, May 23rd, uh, and it refers to a Republican lawmaker named Annie Black, who uh, refused to wear a mask on the assembly floor of the Nevada legislature. And as a result of this, uh, the Democratic legislature voted to strip her of voting and speaking privileges until she apologizes. So the, the article talks about um, Republican lawmaker has been stripped of her voting and speaking privileges in Nevada's state legislature after taking part in an anti-mask stunt on Tuesday, the Las Vegas Review-Journal reported. Annie Black, a member of the Nevada Assemb Assembly, ripped off her face covering while on the assembly floor, the Review-Journal said. She then refused to put it back on and said the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention had said that masks are no longer required, the publication added. But the CDC guidance said that only fully vaccinated Americans can go maskless in most settings. And Representative Black refused to say whether she has been vaccinated. Um, so the next day, uh, she returned to the floor without a mask. Uh, the Democratic Majority Le Leader, Teresa Benitez Thompson, raised a point of order and accused Black of breaking new legislative protocols. This led to a vote that stripped Black of her voting and speaking privileges, according to the paper. So, as I said, Representative Black is barred from speaking or voting unless she apologizes for her conduct, uh, but this seems unlikely. And she's quoted, as, as she wrote in a newsletter to her followers on Thursday, trust me, this ain't over. The games are, have been played by both political parties on both sides. As I've said on this show many times, uh, you know, it, it is not a Republican exclusive tactic. The Democrats do it well. It's just that the Republicans do more of it and seems like they hit harder uh, and are, are generating more uh, press and media coverage than the Democrats do. But the Democrats are out there playing their games as well. Um, you know, and you know the current divide and and filibuster arguments, and you know what's going on within the, the Democratic caucus itself, and so forth, just you know goes on to prove my point. Um, but the the bigger point is that while all of these games are being played, while all of this attention is being focused on you know things that you know impact one group or, or groups already disenfranchised, but also have a broader impact to the electorate at large, as I just talked about in the prior um, part of this segment, uh, is it, something that needs to come to an end. And it needs to come to an end through the actions of us, the electorate. Um, if you don't think that it is right for your state legislature to pass a, a law that says that the only people who can bring referendum to the ballot are the state legislators, then you know, there is an action item to put on your list to convince them that they're not thinking correctly about the matter. You know, one of the one of the powers of the the electorate in this country 
is the ability to bring legislation to a public vote and address an issue uh, that they feel needs to be addressed. Um, yes, we need, you know, the legislature is empowered to write the laws and, you know, enforce the laws and, and, and create the guidelines and rules that we live by, but they're not the exclusive authority. They're not the exclusive power to do this. The Constitution gave the citizens the right to bring a petition before government and, you know, pass that by majority vote and have that legislation go into effect uh, regardless on whether or not, you know, either house of the legislature or the governor of the state uh, agrees and signs off on it. The people have the right and the ability uh, to bring laws forward that they want to see happen, whether the governor agrees or not, and by, by virtue of this, you know, majority vote in, in, in the, the public ballot, this law goes into effect over the, the authority of the legislature and the governor. It's one of the things that makes our democracy so very powerful. It's also something that the powers in power feel very threatened by. So hence we get these initiatives uh, all across the country, um, you know, 140 of them plus, uh, as I was talking about a moment ago, where they're looking to restrict the electorate's access to the referendum and, you know, control who gets to put laws on the books and basically limit that to the legislature in the state. Uh, and that, that's a very dangerous proposition. And everybody, regardless of your party, Republican or Democrat, independent or whoever, should be very, very concerned about this because basically they're the, the elected officials that, remember, we elect and send to office are telling us that, okay, you've elected me to office, I'm here, I'll do this, you go sit over in the corner and play with your toys, and you know I'll, I'll take care of all of this important stuff over here. Um, that's not the way this country works, and it is, it is beyond time for the people, all of the people, regardless, again, of your party affiliation, regardless of you know, what you think of this administration or, you know, who's in charge of your state um, to take the stand to say, look, you know, I, I may not agree with your politics, but going forward and taking away my ability to bring, you know, a, a duly researched, enacted piece of legislation through to the electorate and have the electorate say, yes, we want to do that, regardless of what our legislature or our governor says, um, that's, that's a step too far. That's an area we're not going to go into. And, you know, let them know that if they are going to proceed with this, you know, we are going to exercise our authority and replace them in their position. So, you know, there, there's, there's more to this uh, definitely need to, to dig into it, people. Definitely need to do homework on it. You know, dig wider, dig deeper. Find out the facts um, and, and find them out for yourself. Check all the sources.
So, all right. And again, if if you have your opinion on this, send an email to the show, firedupradio at yahoo.com. Uh, we'll be glad to, to get your email. We'll be glad to uh, engage in a discussion about it. That's going to do it for this week, everybody. Uh, hope everyone has a great week. Stay safe. Stay protected. Uh, if you've already been vaccinated, thank you for being part of the movement. If you, you know, haven't yet gotten your vaccination, please get out there and, and, and get it. You know, it, it's a benefit to all of us. Uh, in the meantime, Wear your mask when you need to wear your mask. Stay, stay socially distant when you need to do so. And keep washing your hands. Uh, that's going to cover this week's episode. I appreciate everybody tuning in. As always, this is Steve, and I host the show Fired Up right here on WJMSRadio.com, where radio is reimagined. And I look forward to talking to you all again in seven days. Wherever you stand, I'm calling every woman, calling every man. We're the generation we can't afford to wait. The future started yesterday, and we're already late.